everyone, and welcome to episode 47 of Own the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians. My name is Jody Lai, and I'm the editor in chief of Auto Trader. And my name is Dan Alika, and I am Auto Trader's road test editor. And Jody, tell me, where are we? So for those of you joining us on YouTube, we're in a new studio, which is kind of cool. This feels like very legit and professional. Not that we weren't legit and professional before. I feel like we're, I'm like, this is like more Larry King vibes yeah. than I'm used to. I feel very like, you know, we're, we're in the zone. I'm yeah, like, this is very cool. Yeah. This feels like I'm almost interviewing you, which is not true. And I feel like I'm almost interviewing you. Perfect. Wow, it's like we're having a podcast or something. This is crazy. Okay, Boom. So before we Boom. get started, I wanted to give oh. you something. Oh. A little token of my appreciation. Is this going to be a joke? No, no. Is this a joking of your appreciation? I'm just a kind human. Oh my God, you got me the hat. So I know that oh. the, the bills didn't go as far as you wanted them oh, to this thanks, season, Jones. but I thought this would help soften the blow. Okay, I do want to explain this. I really appreciate it. Okay. So uh, Jody bought me this hat for Christmas and it was super cool. And it's this Toronto based brand called Stunton. And so this is like this corduroy hat. Uh, and the one that she got me has this really cool, like wolf head on it. And then she was explaining something else and wanted to like pull it up on the website and then was like, Oh my God. And I was like, what? And she was like, they have a Buffalo. And if I knew that that had existed, I would have bought it for you. And I was like, oh, it's all good. But I guess it was like eating away at you a little bit. I feel like I just needed to do it, Thank especially you. from what happened. And yeah, it was a rough, it was a rough. Uh, so obviously this is going to air kind of weeks after the fact. But uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a huge Buffalo Bills fan. And I went down to to the first round of the playoffs, the, the wild card round, watched them beat the Steelers. Didn't make it down for the for the divisional game uh, against Kansas City was probably for the best that I wasn't there because it was a very emotional time. But this this does this is a nice little pick me up, Joe. Good, I'm Thanks. glad it helps. I know it was Thanks. a dark a dark time for you. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave it right here so <laughs> so that all of you guys watching on YouTube uh, can really get a good look at this beautiful. beautiful we'll tag hat. Stunton too. Maybe they'll repost yeah, sweet. our podcast. Thank you. So as we are recording this right now, yes. the Montreal Auto Show is happening. Yes. Uh, the Toronto oui, oui, Auto Show is happening say. soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and auto shows are a really hot topic in our circles. Yeah. Um, and we really look at it from two different perspectives. And so you might have heard rumblings that like, oh, auto shows are dead. Um, you know, especially when COVID was happening, it made it really hard for these in-person yeah. events to happen. And so there was a lot of change in the industry. There was a lot of un like people were just not sure of what was going to happen. And so Dan and I kind of wanted to demystify today why you might be hearing, you know, auto shows are dead when, yeah. you know, in fact, we we approach it from a different perspective. Yeah. And listen, I, I don't want to, you know, obviously Jody and I uh, have both been automotive journalists for a long time, and I'm not here to disparage automotive journalists, but there's a certain degree of like, uh, I don't want to say selfishness, but this idea that, oh, auto shows are dead. But, you know, it's very one dimensional thinking where it's like because media day isn't what it used to be. But the reality is auto shows were never for media. They were consumer events. And then automakers said, wait a minute. We have all of these cars here and we're going to debut, you know, the like, remember back in the day, the Buick Wildcat concept. Um, that was kind of the first concept car. But anyways, the idea that, well, if we have all the cars here and we have these new debuts, why don't we bring media in? And that they evolved into these massive 
you know, international events where you had journalists from around the world. Now, the Canadian auto shows have never been that in spite of, you know, the name being like the Canadian International right. Auto Show for Toronto, Vancouver International and so on. However, th- these are always about consumers first and foremost. That's still very much the case today, just as it was, you know, 50, 60 years ago. So are they dead? Absolutely not. Are they different than they were for everyone? Yes. Are they very different for media? Absolutely. But I always say it is the best if you're shopping for a new vehicle and you want to, you know, do the old proverbial tire kick without the pressure of being, there's nothing worse than like, you want to just have a look around, poke around a vehicle. And then a salesperson comes out. And even when it's supposed to be helpful, you know, it, it adds an element of pressure. Yeah. And some people can feel intimidated by that. So the auto show is a really great opportunity to poke around different cars you might be interested in with zero sales pressure. It's awesome. And, and also remember, um, aside from certain shows and obviously this changes, um, throughout the U S and I'm not, I can't, comment on what it's like in Europe, but, um, for the major shows in Canada, sales staff aren't allowed on the show floor. So those, those people that are on the floor there, uh, in each manufacturer's booth, they're CSRs, they're customer service representatives. They're only there to answer questions. They're not getting commission. They're just paid to be there to talk about the vehicles. So if you have questions, they're good people to turn to, but they're not there to pressure you on, you know, well, do you, do you want to find out more? Do you want to say like, yeah, sure. They'll offer that, but it's, it's a low pressure environment. And it means you can get into a Honda CRV and then walk across the hall and go to the Toyota booth and check out the RAV4 and see right back to back. Oh, this one has a little more space. This one's a little more comfortable. I like the infotainment better in this one. So I highly recommend anyone. And even if you're not, when I was a kid, even if you're not shopping for a new vehicle, we went every year. We did too with my dad. I had so many great memories going to the auto show as a kid. I would go to all the different booths and collect all the posters and put them up in my bedroom. It was the best. I just love, and this was like my parents and my brother and my aunt and uncle. And it became a tradition that we, that we did. I would again, recommend if you're looking for something fun to do and with the Toronto auto show coming up, listen, we're not you know, affiliated with sponsored by, there's no association. This is just kind of free advice. Um, if you're looking for something to do with family day weekend in Toronto, it's a great event that has kid friendly activities. There's a whole hot wheels set up downstairs. There's lots of cool stuff going on. So, and there's, there's also cool, um, if you don't want to drive into downtown, which I understand there's like a cool, package that you can buy your go transit tickets and take the train in. So I think it is a great opportunity. And the same applies to Montreal that's happening right now. Um, Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton were kind of late to the game. Mm-hmm. Like the Toronto and Montreal shows restarted again last year. The other ones didn't. Uh, you're seeing those start up again, which is cool because I think at the end of the day, again, it's a it's a consumer event. Yeah, and so I just wanted to go back a little bit and explain where that auto shows are dead sentiment is coming from. So like pre-internet days, right? Like we're going way back here. Going, um, having media attend these auto shows was one of the only ways you can get firsthand information about a new car debut. So for our industry, for automotive journalists, it was massive. And it was, and they happened all over the world, multiple times a year. And it was a really busy cycle because there's new cars debuting all the time, new concepts, new tech. 
And I really liked going、um, to get firsthand experience, but also going there, you have access to engineers, designers, executives that you can interview and kind of get some some inside information or some scoops about these new debuts or these concept vehicles. And I love getting that extra context.、Um, nowadays, you know, with the internet and tech being what it is, you don't. Physically need to be there anymore to have access to all of those resources. For sure, but on the flip side,、um, and it's you know the reason why I I still go to L.A. and New York, and、of、I、course. did Tokyo last year because even aside from the access to these people that you're talking about, which is great, the ability to poke around to add context to the vehicle, getting photos、uh, and some specs emailed to you, as great as that is, you know it doesn't provide that that. Context that you can say, well, oh, this looks and feels like this. Oh, they borrowed this from an existing model, or this is something that in the existing lineup sucks, and it looks like they've addressed it because you get to poke and prod and and have a look around. So、uh, for us, they're still they're just not as big as they were. And then same for consumers. But I, my you know bold prediction, if you will, there's been a lot of. OEMs that have dropped out of auto shows, you know, kind of famously, like all the Germans、right. abandoned auto shows、uh, to to spread their marketing budgets elsewhere. I have a feeling that they are going to come back. Ford, you know, got out and then came back already,、um, because I think again it's an opportunity to reach people in a way that the internet. Can't absolutely just being there physically to be able to experience something. You know, you see pictures online; it never translates.、Yes. It never does, and so it's really important to see things in person.、Um, but just to share some stats here: so last year, attendance at the Toronto Auto Show was up seventeen percent over the previous year, and it was the third most attended Toronto Auto Show in its fifty-year history. Over three hundred and fifty thousand people went、um, in Montreal. They had about 148,000 visitors, which is about 75% of what is typical for them. So that's pretty good news.、Um, Vancouver Auto Show, Calgary, and Ottawa were all canceled in 2023, but they've all confirmed that for 2024, everything's good to go.、Yeah. So they're happening in March. Now you will see some manufacturers、uh, scale back. They might not hit all the shows. Edmonton is is a Is one of the outliers, and so is Quebec City,、um, where they are what what we would classify as regional shows. There are sales staff that work those those shows,、um, and some manufacturers choose not to participate.、Um, and it's tough decisions, right? It's like if if they had it there. My my idea when I worked so so years ago, I worked at Subaru,、uh, and I was involved in in the auto show, you know, planning and everything, and. I always thought、um, expanding outside of auto shows would be like so. Th- same setting, agriculture shows,、um, just you know, kind of general, like the the Toronto、um, Sportsman Show or whatever they like that outdoorsy、right. sort of、uh, like a、event. boat show or something. Yeah, just to but you know whatever. It's it's tough because budgets aren't up to you know me individually, and they're tough decisions that have to be made. So. Uh, but I, again, it's just like there—it's an opportunity to to check out a vehicle in a setting that you don't have to feel pressured. You don't have to—you can ask questions if you want. If you don't, great. If you just want to check out the cars, and you know, again, with with kids, it's a great opportunity to 
to wander through. And the fact that they're all kind of coming back is a, is a really good sign. I think it's great. And there was also one in Vancouver last year that focused specifically on EVs, yeah. which I thought was amazing um, for an education standpoint. Like what a great place to go to experience this stuff in person, you know, without all the misinformation that you might be able to find on the Internet. Like just hear it right from the source. Totally. Um, you know, maybe maybe you go there and uh, you're kind of addressing some fears you had about making a switch to an EV. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. For education, I think it's so great. Um, and even at the Toronto Auto Show, they had a big uh, like EV testing track yeah. where people could. So that the, the reason that came to be uh, Ford was sort of late in its withdrawal from the Toronto show last year. And it let Ford head one of the biggest displays in, in the Toronto auto show. So the Canadian international auto show folks had had to kind of scramble to figure out what to do to replace that. Cause you, what are you going to do? And what you would call an anchor space it's huge. would be empty. Yeah. So they moved things around and, and added this EV test track and by all accounts, it was a smash hit. Again, it gave people an opportunity to check out EVs that, that, you know, they may be apprehensive, but who would say no to a free, I mean, I did it at the LA auto show uh, this past November where Honda had what it's called a moto compacto. Oh, I think it was so cool. Uh, so basically back in the day, Honda used to sell this setup that was a city turbo hatchback. So this really tiny hatchback, uh, and you could get it with what was called a Moto Compo, which was this little folding scooter. Uh, and it went away, but it was, you know, kind of a one of those like legends of JDM culture, right? That everyone was like, oh, this thing is so cool. Honda brought it back, but it's been rebranded the Moto Compacto. It's about, I, th- I want to say it's like 44 pounds. It folds into a suitcase and you can carry it with a little handle and then when it's time to ride, you just un, like pop the wheels out, unfold the handle, the seat comes out and it's like a bike seat. And it's got like, I don't remember what the range is, call it, you know, 40 kilometers or something. But That's like, not bad. yeah, if you were commuting into the city, bring that with you. Yeah. You know, and like then a the last fine, mile Exactly. Solution. So anyways, but they had a little test track uh, at the LA Auto Show. And so I went for a rip. See, that's so much fun, too, especially for EVs, because you can do it indoors exactly. without any worries about um, the carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide. Exactly. Right. Because yeah. that's a big that's something else that people um, maybe like a little peek behind the curtain, so to speak, is like uh, it's, you know, right in the the safety code for like fire prevention and everything like that. Um, the cars, when they get moved into the space, there's like they can only have basically enough gas to like roll off the truck and onto the show floor because of emissions. There's also like weight distribution that they have to worry about and stuff like that. But anyways, yeah. So doing that with those EVs, it's nice because for a long time, and I want to say it still happens where there are certain vehicles you can test outdoors, but like, come on guys, it's Toronto in February. Winter, not pleasant. Exactly. So if you can do that same thing on a little test course, great. And, And the other cool thing is, Hyundai did some with the Ionic 6 in New York and I think again in LA and but you were driven. Oh, you didn't okay. get a chance to drive with this EV it's supervised but in Toronto you can drive the cars yourself which again is really cool because it takes it to that next level of checking out a vehicle doing a little bit more 
digging without having to to go and feel pressured. So super cool. Love that. I encourage all of you to go to your local uh, auto show when if you have a chance. I just think it's a great way to spend a day, to shop around, even if you're not shopping, just to see what's out there. I think it's really cool. Uh, great. Lots of family friendly activities. Um, auto I, trader. Huh? Oh, sorry. I was just going to, before we, we move on, mm-hmm. we will, I think you were going to say that auto trader is going to be, uh, ha- have a display. We're going to have a display at the Toronto auto show with some of our award winning vehicles. Uh, and that's super cool. So come, come check it out. Come say hi. But, we, we might be there one day too. So yeah. you might meet us in person. Uh, I want to just change the topic quickly. I was driving here today and I'm driving the Tucson hybrid. Now I'm going to, I did a social media rant cause I was livid and this is how livid I am. I'm going to share it here as oh well. Oh my God. Usually you start the podcast with the rant. Yeah. Oh, this is different. Uh, so a few years ago, um, Transport Canada wanted to address what are called phantom vehicles. So people driving around without their exterior lights on, but, you know, mostly unwittingly. No, because, you know, back in the day, you knew if your lights were off because your instrument cluster would be dark. Nowadays, with all these digital screens and stuff like that, it's, it's impossible to tell whether it's, you know, whether your lights are on without looking for that little green symbol. So Transport Canada wanted to address this and mandated automakers a few years ago now that the default position has to be auto automatic, which, which makes sense in theory. Here's my frustration. That is the, now part of my frustration is that it should, they should just be on. I've never heard a good reason of why you should be able to turn your lights off. Unless you're sneaking around or something. But even then, because you're, you're in Canada, daytime running lights are, are mandatory. Yeah. And that means that your headlights are effectively on. So it's not like you're going to be sneaking around anyways. So why would you want to turn your taillights off? Blows my mind. Anyways, this this automatic setting. So in, in the Tucson, there's still an off position, which bothers me. But right. it was in automatic. Today's one of those funky days where it was really cold and then it warmed up really foggy outside. And I noticed as I was leaving my place that the lights didn't come on automatically. And at first I was like, oh, it's just going to take a second after I pulled out of the garage. And then a couple seconds later, I'm waiting to turn still no lights. So I turned them on manually. That to me is just like, this is proof that Transport Canada's mandate is toothless. It It doesn't do anything. Well, it just, the automatic setting is is useless. It should work, but clearly it didn't because the Tucson today thought it was a bright, sunny day. I was so frustrated yeah. with this because all I'm thinking of, if I was driving, I would have been one of those phantom drivers, but doing things the way that the government said is fine. Yeah, which turned out to be totally unsafe in a day like today, when especially when visibility is only like, what, two, oh, two three car so, lengths ahead? so bad. And to top it all off, this Tucson is white. So it's oh, like God. super foggy day, white vehicle, and I could have been one of these phantom drivers. Like I say, Transport Canada. Transport Canada, make this right. Like this is not, there's no reason why automatic should be the default. Just like daytime running lights were mandated decades ago, do the same with the rear. 
I wonder why they haven't done that yet. It's not like it's a it's a hugely controversial thing. Like it's literally just a software yeah. tweak. It's not like seatbelts or something that people are like, <laughs> oh, you're, you know, my right to to die how I want to die. Like turn I do want to be ejected from my yeah. car. <laughs> I wonder what Oh, let's let's see what uh, you know, what does Aaron Rodgers have to say about this conspiracy? Why does the government want us to have our lights on? Has anybody big asked lights. that? Quite, oh my god. Anyways. They're in the pocket of big lights. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> That's my rant. I'm annoyed and uh, the government needs to do better. I mean, I agree with all everything you just said. Uh, It seems like it's an obvious thing and I don't know why they haven't addressed it yet. Bureaucracy. Fun. Anyways, we can change the subject now. Okay, so just a little bit of good news for some for car shoppers. So our pal Barish Akurek, who has been on the show before, He's Auto Trader's data genius. Data genius slash Turkish delight. That's very true. Wonderful He's a great, man. Very great guy, intelligent. Very, yeah, very knowledgeable. Um, and uh, and he and this stuff is kind of like I don't want to say it's boring. It's very interesting, but uh, it's easy for you know the, this data that that he works with could be presented in a very boring way, and he does a great job of of just really like simplifying it. He makes data it, simple for Canadians. What a perfect fit. <laughs> and so there's uh, he just published his quarterly price index. And there was some really interesting stuff in there that I wanted to share because okay. it's good news. And like we all need some good news, yeah. right? Car pricing, super top of mind right now. It's no secret that things have gotten super expensive along with everything else that we have to pay for. Um, going back to pandemic times, you know, all the microchip shortages, all the inventory shortages, that was really causing car prices to just skyrocket in the new and the used market. Um, simple economics because demand was greater than the supply at the time. Um, so his report says that there's been a gradual decrease in demand for used cars since the beginning of Q3 in 2023. Uh, the reason for that is because new car inventory has been normalizing back up to pre-COVID levels, which means that there's less pressure on the used car market. Yeah, less competent. People that would normally buy new but didn't have the option turn to the used market. And that just meant more people reaching for the same, same, you know, selection of vehicles. Yeah, exactly. And so what that means is that used car pricing have finally been normalizing. So they're not back to pre COVID levels yet, but we're not seeing those huge increases we were seeing during the pandemic. And so that's really good news. There are actual deals to be had out there, which is surprising. I think, um, you're going to start to see manufacturers, you know, add incentives again. Those sort of went away or at least, you know, they weren't as widespread as as they once were. Now, uh, we've done an episode on car pricing. Barish was on an episode about, you know, why cars are so expensive. So we're not going to get into all of that. I will say, though, keep in mind, there's a there's a delicate balance between, you know, the the incentives and undercutting the value of the vehicle. So when automate, there's a reason why Toyotas, for example, or the Jeep Wrangler, that's a great example of a vehicle. Incentives are never all that generous, but the flip side is the retained value stays higher longer. Whereas highly incentivized vehicles, Kia historically has been a brand that's really incentivized and that's how it's been able to, to, to kind of climb the sales ladder. Um, but those vehicles are not worth as much because the money that's what you call left on the hood. So how much incentive is applied? Basically, you take that money off the back end. So you're saving it up front. But then when you go to upgrade, 
to a new vehicle or whatever, it's just not going to be worth what it was. So I always caution people that it's like, don't just go out there and say, oh, look at this thing's a great deal and there's 10 grand off, but think long-term and what your plan is in the future. Because if you want to parlay that into another vehicle, let's say four years down the road, you might not get back the money that you were hoping because of that incentive. But again, incentives are going, are starting to come back. Uh, and I think that's going to continue because you're also seeing this, this, it's sort of a pendulum, right? With supply of new vehicles where automakers had all this pent up demand that couldn't be met because of, like you said, the microchip shortage was a huge problem. And then all the vehicles that were built on those sort of back order, uh, are now sort of piling up or starting to pile up. So that's going to be the reason why you'll see more incentives because now I'm, it's not going to be a case where there's sort of too much inventory nationwide, but it's, it's going to get to that point where, you know, they're going to need to clear out some, some cars. Right. So I think there's going to be some deals in the, in the future. That's good advice. Cool. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Jodes. And before our Ask an Expert segment, here's a message from your friends at AutoTrader. Struggling to find the car you want? AutoTrader always has hundreds of thousands of cars for sale all across Canada, making it a great way to find a great car at a great price. Visit AutoTrader today. Today's Ask an Expert comes from LH. LH. Not sure what it stands for, but just found your podcast and love it. Oh, thanks. Thanks, LH. Um, so they have a 2012 Toyota Prius V and they loved it. Okay. Uh, they bought it at 179K and sold it at about 280 when the engine light kept coming on. Pesky old uh, engine He loved lights. the car. He said it was a perfect car. Um So he was looking for a new one. Oh, sorry. He got a, a Chevy Sonic. Okay. From a private sale, it was clean, ran well, uh, got rid of it because, again, those repairs ended up costing too much. Yes. Um, so he he wants to sell this and get a new, buy a car with a good warranty. What? Uh, oh, the wants, engine light in the Sonic. In the Sonic kept going Maybe, off. Do you think LH stands for like light hell? Like <laughs> it's been living in this light hell of these check engine lights. Maybe. And, like, it sounds you know? pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, and so this person is 62. Okay. Would love a hybrid vehicle again no young kids would prefer a hatchback or a small suv doesn't want a new car mm -hmm. uh, one or two years old he's hoping for and uh, wants to pay maximum 35k okay so he wants to know is he even close i think so and do you have any recommendations yeah. i have some yeah i would say if you liked the prius get a prius that's like two years old well but the but but lh would prefer a hatchback or a small crossover yeah you can get well Oh, the I see. Prius okay. is a sedan. I I know. I think the Rav Four hybrid. Yeah. Now keep in mind hybrids of of all vehicles on the market, new and used. Um, hybrids are where you're still going to see supply challenges, especially when you're looking at Toyota. Toyota has really struggled uh, pre-pandemic, throughout, and now post with keeping up with demand. Some people I've talked to have been on a wait list for like three years. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I think $35,000 is a reasonable. Pretty generous, actually. You know, that that's doable. Um, 
you'd have to look at the base. So the RAV4 L, I think it is, L hybrid. Um, it's manageable. I just think it might take a little bit of time. You might have to shop around, maybe look outside of your kind of local area, but 35 grand is totally reasonable. If you are open to new, there is the Toyota Corolla Cross hybrid. So it's a little smaller than the RAV4, uh, but same, same approach, same powertrain, um, really efficient and kind of does everything that you would need. And I think you could get into one for, for about 35 grand, uh, in Canada. So that's another good option. Do you have any others? No, I, I like, I like the Toyota ones, especially because LH wants something that's relatively reliable with no headaches. Wait, what if, what if LH is likes hybrids? <laughs> Could likes it be? hybrids, Could lights it, hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, LH, I hope that helps. Um, another one to look at price wise. I think you should be able to pull it off. Um, I really like the Ford Escape Hybrid, and now that thing's been around for long enough that 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 price range should be doable. Um, but that's another one to consider. Kia Nero Hybrid. Yeah, that's a couple years old. Yeah, if you're cool with front wheel drive, which I mean, you did the Prius V and the Sonic, so yeah. I don't see, I don't see why not. Um, but yeah, those are so that that's kind of you know four four decent options. Um, Please let us know kind of how your your shopping process went. Go go test drive them. Another piece of advice I'll give before we want to run out of time here: test drive daytime and nighttime. I've given this advice before because the lighting is a huge factor. Um, not the check engine lighting. I mean, the actual lighting is just a huge factor that you want to consider. Sometimes you might get behind the wheel of a vehicle during the daytime and be like, "I love this," and then you know, as soon as it's dark, you go, Oh, like I don't, the, the headlights, I don't like, they don't sweep broadly enough or mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. So check it out day and night. Um, but there's a few options and let us know how, how your shopping goes. Thank you, LH, for your question. If any of you have any questions you would like to ask Dan or I, you can email expert at trader.ca. But that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Drive safe and... We'll see you next time.